Attention listeners, ahead are spoilers. If you do not want these human jerks spoiling the movie, stop the recording, for the rest of you. Do you want to play a game? Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome once again to The Movie Trap. In this show, each of us pick a theme, and then we pick three movies based on that theme. You have the privilege already, of finding already, round a, three. At best, a weird description. You of already the show. have the privilege of finding yourself at round three, my movie. I, of course, am Russell Carlson. My victims of the movie trap are as follows I am Chris Boroff. I'm Zach Powers. We have a guest this time, my co host from another podcast. My brother from another podcast. We, we make sure you don't want to mention the name of the podcast, yeah, too. We want to make sure you don't ever yeah, plug save, it with its save name. Save it for you know? plugs. Save it for plugs. <laughs> okay. yeah. From um, the Revisionists, uh, our comedy history podcast, it's... Brian Flynn. Thank you for having me. Uh, it's a it's a truly a pleasure. And, um, and technically, this is a return for Brian because he was on the show in its initial incarnation over 10, 10 years ago, I believe. Yes. Yes. Something in that neighborhood, yeah. Uh, Do you remember what we watched, Brian? Because we, we I, don't remember. I remember one of them. It was like the Errata Mania movie with the woman who played Amelie, I think. And oh, then, yeah. Audrey Tattoo? Yeah. Okay. That's the only one I remember. Okay. Wow. Um, anyway. I don't know why that one sticks in my mind. <laughs> I might be able to figure this out in like 10 seconds. And We're it was... Oh my God! Where Run out of time. Uh, okay. It was. It was. Uh, uh, Brian. 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 It was uh, Harry Met Sally and Loves Me Not. Yeah. Okay. 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 I like that. We had to mention Erotomania and then Brian's name over and over again. Uh, <laughs> I was looking through a list. Just to clarify. Uh, the premise of the podcast is not that we each pick a theme. One person picks a theme. <laughs> One person picks a theme. And, and then we each pick, pick a, a movie, movie within that theme. That's right. I, and then gonna, we watch I'm them gonna, over different episodes, not all at once. That's so right. One, one show for this one. That's right, which would be round three. So if you want to see the this other... This is round three. This is round three of the shitty cops round of the movie trap. And I, in my brilliance, yep. have trapped my co-hosts in the 1984 classic it's police the first academy real trap of the yeah. show honestly <laughs> that's true mm-hmm. that's Never true it's, it's a lived it's up a, to its name more it, it's a stanford <laughs> it's a stanford prison experiment trap if you will where you get to pretend to be an audience and it pretends to be a movie um it's so, a taste test where everything's <laughs> shit yes um so to quickly summarize this movie if it sure. needs any summary um if it, such a thing can happen so the premise of the movie is that some female mayor of some nameless city has decided that the standards for the police department were impossibly high way too high and they had a deluge of applicants who simply could not be allowed in the police force because of these impossibly high standards what these standards are they don't really say um uh, though say i vaguely. have Weight, i have a hint. height sex sex religion uh, they don't explicitly say religion or race right um mm-hmm. but it, this is all explained in the title cards which i completely forgot 
were part of this movie. It's also um, worth noting, in spite of saying uh, height, weight, and sex, one, there is a female high-ranking officer already in the police force. We'll we'll talk about how this movie deteriorates from its own standard and launching point <laughs> as it goes on, where that the whole root of the whole conflict is completely right. I, I'm making thrown this away. Please, um, summarize Police so Academy. <laughs> the main character, shall we say, our, 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 our A storyline involves a plucky parking attendant named Mahoney, played effortlessly by Steve Gutenberg, um, who finds himself in there quickly. Yes. So he eventually gets in trouble with the law. And part of the deal of him not going to jail is to join the police academy. But because of the police academy's new standards, they can throw him out, but he's not allowed to quit. But because of the new standards, they're not allowed to throw anybody out. And thus... A college movie about a police force is born, and there we have it. Hilarity ensues. There's a um, variety of quirky characters right. in the academy. Mm-hmm. Okay, the, I, uh, I've literally I tried to write down a summary for this fucking movie, and it really it, it ran out of steam very quickly. The old guard, <laughs> yeah. uh, most notably represented by uh, G. I don't w. know what Bailey. his title is, but Harris um, and his two uh, sort of. Nazi haircutted goons mm-hmm. um, try to stifle the fun, the harmless, sexually <laughs> right. harassing right. fun the, that the cadets try to have where they, uh, you know, um, yeah. mostly use their power irresponsibly and sexually harass women. I mean, yeah. this is a movie so of its time where it's yes. like after yeah. Ani- yeah. after Animal House, we did everything we could to find another concept of Animal House. Mm-hmm. And this is the bearing of that fruit where it, to me it's the example of a concept said, in search of a narrative. They said, we had Animal House. What's another animal? How about a pig? Well, yeah. <laughs> I know where, yeah. I know I where mean, a pig goes. <laughs> I mean, this one, it, uh, the thing on it is, is that the writers, like, uh, the main producer of this is a guy, guy named Paul Maslansky. I don't know if I pronounced that right. Uh, this was a block comedy. I don't know. Did you guys do, like, background I, on this you, at all? Damn it, Boris. Yeah, you yeah. did it again, you magnificent bastard. You literally gained my point. <laughs> oh. By the way, could we real quick say, uh, where are we with points right now? I believe we have a... Okay. Uh, uh, Ryan, if you're unaware, we we award each other bonus points uh, as the episodes go on for mm-hmm. things we like. I believe Chris and I both have 12, and Russell has 11. I believe that's correct because he, yes. he gave out some some bonus points. I think I gave you a bonus point for something as well, but uh, yeah. oh, that might have been the last. I don't know. We haven't figured out what to do with these points at the bonus end points. either. Is oh, it just when we vote, they're just extra points we use when we vote at the end. Oh, okay, but. Um, uh, I actually think this is very clearly the worst movie we've watched on this show. And I want to give Russell a bonus, a bonus point. For, for oh, well, thanks, bonus. buddy. Yeah, hey, no, and honestly, if we're and, and in my defense, if we're talking about shitty cops, I mean, Ken will bar get any lower than Police Academy as far as shittiness of cops. When I picked the A cap shitty cop category, I was truly hoping someone would would use all the parts <laughs> All the parts of the bowl on that one. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, there's, there's, and there Russell was nothing. There was nothing left on the field but the hoofs on this one. Um, <laughs> it, it, uh, you, you basically uh, managed to pick out one of the worst films yet, and I'm giving you a point because you, again, you, you, you jumped on the grenade and 
brought the trap I know, home. I know, yeah. I know. I, it, it'll cost me the theme, I'm sure of it, but it was worth it just to make Borf sit through a Steve Gutenberg movie. But honestly, I mean, like, this movie, it was worse than I remembered. I mean, I haven't seen this movie since I was, I think, eight years old. And I remember, I, I watched it not just because... I heard of it and all my friends are watching it, but like I remember there was a cartoon <laughs> show and I really liked the toys. There were like toys out at the time. And I really liked the fact that the little police dog shot was a little squirt gun. So I, I remember I pointed well, that out was to also, my There was also like a cartoon out. Like when we yeah. were kids, there was a cartoon. Yeah. Like It's amazing how the 80s worked with franchising movies, isn't it? I mean, and if a movie made any bit of money, they made seven of them with a toy line and a goddamn Saturday morning cartoon. Yeah. I mean, while it's also not tough on this one, because, like, it, it was a fairly low-budget film. Like, they didn't really have a high budget for any of these. And, like, like I was saying with the Paul Mischlansky guy, he just cranked this particular organ and got the monkey dancing as much as possible until it just died. And, uh, yeah, I, for him, like I was saying, it was a block comedy. Like, his whole thing on that was, like, you have a block comedy where you have a couple big scenes where it's, like, wacky hijinks that are crazy over the top stuff that's going to end up in the trailer. And then you have a whole lot of filler. And the whole lot of filler is just like all the nonsense you see on the side where it's like, oh, uh, what are we doing in the bathroom? I don't know. Whoa, 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 whoa. And then they go do something else. But in this one, it's as I think you were going, eventually these guys have a test of their policing skills by <laughs> causing a riot well, and then solving the riot they, they cause. The, the way, I mean, yeah, they cause a riot. I mean, this is, I mean, this is, I mean, I can't. It's the toy. Like it's just it, it is literally just an apple that the guy just like throws at him and like what? And that just leads to civic unrest, which as we all know is how it happens. Yeah. Um Yeah, it's not plot, like a deeper seated like uh, social problem. It's always no, a misunderstanding. Right, yeah. yeah. By a hapless idiot. You so know, the plot and, is extraordinarily loose, but let us try to logically uh proceed through it. Mahoney, um, Mahoney is nominally our main character. He is the son of somebody who was important in the police department who is dead. Uh, and his father's friend, Captain Reed, says you can either go to prison for your various crimes. Or... Which at this point is really just like, it's not even vehicular assault. I mean, all he did was just do a trick ride on his goddamn sure. Client's we don't car, know. You know, we don't know what else he did. He does say I didn't. Best. He does say I didn't even do anything that serious this time. And based on his behavior later in the movie, sexual assault is on the table for his previous <laughs> crimes. Yep. Um, Smoking outside the girls' locker room. Yeah, you bet. Yeah, but we'll get to the placement of that shower for the girls. I, okay, we'll get to that. Anyway, he has to go to the police academy. And if he doesn't complete it, he's going to go to prison. He meets a, an array of colorful characters who are also there, including uh, Leslie Barbara, who is a camera development station attendant who is, needs to find his courage. He's cowardly lion style, um, trying to find his courage. And he's fat in the way that like people in the 80s are fat. But, you know, not yeah, really. I mean, you really buried the... The thing they build the character around is more it's, is more the second thing than the whole yeah, courage yeah. angle. Yeah. yeah well, yeah. and and it is really that he 
wanted to be a police officer, which is telling of police officers, I want to be a police officer because I was picked on as a kid. And God yeah, damn it, nobody's going to fucking mm-hmm. pick on me. Yeah, and and he's a mama's boy. They they really nail that one home as like, oh no, his mom's always there. She's always with him. He's very coddled. It's like, but it's not handled as like an emotional problem he's having. It's just like a wacky hijink. I was thinking about when we were watching it's, it when they first Norman introduced. He's Bates five years before the murders. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's I was I was thinking about this when I was watching it because I tried to keep like if I were to show this movie to my like my nieces and my nephews, you know, like this is like if I were that's to try a, to show that's like a choice, man, I, you're building I t- a weird I mean, dog I, tooth I, situation. I, <laughs> but I mean, I couldn't even get past what he did in that booth. You know, what's that? Well, that's a camera that people used to shoot on film, and they would have to drop it off to these people to get it developed, mm-hmm. see? And they would be like, I don't know what that is. I couldn't even get them that far, but, I mean, I would never even try to show them this movie. I I remember lobbying really hard to see this movie, and my parents really begrudgingly, like, rented it from the library. And, you know, we were <laughs> we were young enough, and they saw it was rated R, and we didn't know what that meant, because, obviously, if they have a Saturday morning cartoon, I mean, it's got <laughs> to be fine. for kids, right? You know, so they yeah, watched I mean, it. Robocop and they, had a Saturday morning cartoon, I believe. Right. Mm-hmm. So they watched it and they decided that it was decidedly tame enough What's this, for the Sallow little ones to watch friends? it. Okay. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. And, and then they, but I remember they, the part that they always fast forwarded was the blowjob part. And I remember thinking why. So I snuck out and I watched it myself and I didn't really understand it. Now I understand it and it's literally the lamest thing in the world. I mean, it's... Uh, I, I had the it. same experience because I think I saw this potentially in theaters when I was like five or six. <laughs> and I had no frame of reference for what sex was. And I didn't understand why they were hiding in the booth and why the man was making a weird face. I tried to... I asked my mom and she was just like, he's embarrassed and that's all she could say she didn't really go into more detail i mean he might have been (laughs) well he definitely Uh, was i mean Um, that's burying the lead but yeah yeah, it was he was embarrassed tangent there's a i listened there's another podcast i listened to where they were talking about the scene in uh swordfish where hugh jackman has to hack something while halle berry is giving him a blowjob and the hosts of the podcast were understandably like, uh, it's the How Did This Get Played podcast. It's a fun podcast. We're like, when I was a kid, I was like, how would you even have the concentration? And now when they watched that, they, would, they were like, I would not be erect at all. It would yeah. be the most embarrassing situation. It would be awkward. There would be no way sexy. I'd keep my cool because I would be like, ah, what the fuck? You know? Yeah, I mean, it's also essentially like sexual assault. And I'm like, yeah, that's anyway. not sexy to anybody. Yeah. 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 Right. I mean, I also. But, sorry. I also built a theory that like no one involved in this movie has ever given or received a blowjob because that reaction was not like <laughs> it didn't seem grounded in any real reality. <laughs> Say what you will about the Andy Warhol short film. That shit was legit. Uh, <laughs> well, let me let me run through. Can I run through our colorful cast of characters? Yes, uh, absolutely. Quick, because we. So- I mean, who would miss all the absolute misfits that you haven't seen in every any movie i want some cohesion for this conversation for people who haven't seen the movie (laughs) okay which is probably probably likely a fool's errand but okay uh okay so yes there's barbara uh there is uh hightower who is a very tall black guy who you know played by bubba smith Sure. Played with he, he was a well-known um, uh, football player. Yep. Yeah, so uh, Hightower is just a big, like he's a very tall, strong black guy 
That's his whole thing. I mean, honestly, if this movie had competing spikes of sexism, homophobia, and racism, it scores the lowest on racism. So I'll give it that. I would kind of agree because it seems like the racism is almost viewed as a bad thing and racism is sort of a joke that is played on other people the homophobia not not so much the homophobia not so much oh yeah but i mean like the 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 most racist guys a guy with the fucking stars and bars on his fucking toyota uh or whatever um, there's a lot of stereotypes yeah yeah, they're they're the bad guys at least the racism in this is handled with the same subtlety as the movie crash so that's Ah, that's the deal I got it, Boref. You nailed it. There's Hooks, who is uh, a younger black woman who can't talk well. She's quiet. That's her whole thing. Um, Freeze her bag. Yeah. Uh, who else? Tackleberry. He's a fascist. Ah, uh, yes. Tackleberry uh, yes. is straight yeah. up wants to shoot somebody. I <laughs> do not believe that the standards put in place by the police force beforehand would not have allowed a person like Tackleberry <laughs> to join their police force. I don't buy it. I just don't oh, buy it. Yeah. That's true of so many of these people. Yeah. yeah. Like, well, yeah. Especially like Hightower. Who wouldn't want Hightower, that guy? You know, Reed, the guy who forces Mahoney into the police academy is black and clearly has like a position of some power. Why wouldn't Hightower be allowed into the police department? I don't yeah. know. Yeah, I mean, it, it, yeah, well, they, they never, never they never cleared that up. They were just like, oh, Hightower. I think it was because he was too tall. He was too tall and too big, and they were too taking tall. the they were taking uh, the military argument. I think it's because these guys probably hadn't been in the police academy themselves, so they assumed that much like in the military, there was like a maximum height that you can be, and if you're over that, you can't be in the military because they can't get you uniforms that fit you. Uh, or it's not fi- that way for tanks or yeah, whatever. it's not yeah. that way for uh, cops. They just take anybody who can essentially get through college or high school. I think I will say if that. <laughs> if that. The, the opposite tract for that height requirement was that they had a little person in this movie, and I'm glad they didn't because that would have been much, much, much worse. Yeah, that's fair, and and the fact that they do give Hightower at least the more redeeming arc of the whole story. Sure. I mean, like Mahoney's the main character, but that's just cause he has the He's blocks of comedy, but like Hightower is the one who actually, I think kind of is the protagonist or at least up by right ought to be. Um, I, re- I remember thinking by the end that like I would watch, not, I wouldn't watch, but like I would appreciate more like a Hightower solo movie. Sure. Additionally, there is a man who is white, but puts on a Hispanic accent to get with the ladies there's an accident prone man whose wife drives on the hood of his car but doesn't really do anything in the story uh and uh there's a sound effects guy uh, michael winslow yep uh larvel jones is what he introduces himself as in the movie um as well as she's not really a cadet but sergeant callahan does fit into this somehow or another that would be the uh, uh the kim cattrall no other, no that's no, no, leslie no, 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 no. easterbrook oh. oh that's okay kim cattrall plays the woman who does not have a story uh she is not part of any of the hijinks she's exclusively an object that steve gutenberg lusts after after and in certain scenes uh he gets a yeah. boner for her the, the height of her character development is the time that she shows him her legs when she's outside and he's staring at her and you're like, oh, so she is somewhat complicit in his creeping. But of course, not- a, pa- 
a yeah. payoff for the joke earlier where he pretends to be an authority figure who tries to make her show him her thighs. So Mahoney's a real classy character. I, I mean, Catral's uh, that her character is basically just the object of Steve Gutenberg's heroics yeah. for the end. She's not involved in any of the actual comedy or. <laughs> Yeah. Well, we'll, yeah. we'll use that word. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, would, I would say that in this case, it's not so much not being involved in the comedy. It's being, uh, having plausible deniability and being culpable for any of this. Uh, Good on uh, Kim Cattrall. Kim Cattrall's been in some winners. Um, she had a career after this. That's so, true. Yeah, the Vanities true. movie. Yeah. Wow. So it, it is basically, you know, animal house. This is the Delta mm-hmm. house or whatever. And the other cops who have, are supposed to be there, but kind of don't know that you don't have to get your head shaved to join the police force. Um, you know, it, they're the, like under the, the commander of GW Bailey, the, the, the main foible, the Dean, if you will, of this animal house of, you know, it, it, it's, it's this animal house goes to police Academy. I mean, you could see this concept thought up by anybody at the time yeah. where it's like, what if we put animal house, but if they're cops, it'll be I mean, hilarious. They did this- they did this with a bunch of stuff. It felt like the movie Stripes as well. Yeah. Well, well yeah. I'll say this. Um, I'll say Stripes was funny. The antagonists well, like, yeah. in this the antagonists in this movie feel appropriately fashy. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. they feel like pretty full blown fascists. Sure. I mean they, they do like check the boxes for people that just about everybody would hate. Like yeah. it's not really they you know, it's yeah. like I said, they they handle it about as subtly as uh, the movie Crash, where there's Indeed. you know you just in in a very obvious way, no that guy's not just kind of a racist. He's saying racist things to people and he's being kind of a dick in general. So you're like, yeah, yeah no, they're, they're I like, don't like any of them. I'm going to have to keep a running tally. fascist, whereas their protagonists are acceptable 80s person in America levels of racist and sexist. Yeah. 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 Uh, I mean, that's why I think part of the problem with this movie is that like it was like you could tell that it wanted to be like subversive, right? You could tell like they were just trying to be like Mahoney's just like a rebel who just can't fit in. He's Maverick, right? From Top Gun. You know, he's just a guy who just too cool to fit into any of your clubs, man. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, 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 he did really come off as that. He more or less came off as just this sort of snake, really, you know, and just kind of slithers around. Yeah, I mean, he he fit the box for the trickster hero. Um, he's always playing. <laughs> I mean, like, is that? If we, I'm just saying, like, you know, because it's a, a the hero's Loki. journey, a yeah. real coyote yeah, yeah. type. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's constantly pulling up things and then doing things, and people are like, "Man, I don't know if I can trust him." And then it's like, "Oh, okay. Well, I guess he was he he had a good heart in the end, even if he chose a non-standard way to get there." <laughs> yeah, outside of the whole creeping on Kim Cattrall thing, but uh. <laughs> I've heard that this one was originally like way more subversive. Uh, like I guess the original writers like really went for it, being anti-establishmentarian. Mm-hmm. But then the producer was like, "No, we can't sell that. You got to be able to sell it." So they brought another guy in, and he kind of cut all that out. And then the director they finally went with, because this started with a director who then got fired in the first couple weeks. Okay. And then they brought on Hugh Wilson. And Hugh Wilson is known for WKRP in Cincinnati. That was yeah. his baby. So it was him coming in and then him kind of reining it in a little bit. He was an improv director. So I think he like kind of played with the people a little bit more and was okay. able to get like reasonably okay performances, even though the sure. work itself was pretty tepid. Mm. I I was also thinking that like this, 
I can't remember what year specifically this came out. 1984. 84. Yeah. Makes sense. <laughs> yeah. It, it's very apt. <laughs> <laughs> but it feels like it's on the cusp of like, there's a period that ends in sort of like the late 80s, early 90s, where it was still okay to like make fun of cops and soldiers yeah. in film. And, and then then 9-11 happened, and then that period was just, like, gone forever, probably. Yeah. Well, I mean, until now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but even the producer, I mean, We're the part definitely of, cool to make fun of cops again. Yeah. Well, that's it. we don't well, need like much 21 help. Jump Street came out, so they were okay getting back <laughs> into that pool, but it took <laughs> some time. Because there were a bunch of movies that, that's correct, like, around 2001 when that happened. Yeah, like they had reverence. Yeah. yeah, yeah, they had a ton of like really big uh, movies that were supposed to come out that had you know like Andy Richter was in some movie with like Tim Allen and a bunch of people, and it took place at an airport, and it was like a big snafu mix-up comedy kind of like this one. And you know, nine eleven happened, and people yeah. were like, "Oh, oh God, no! We don't want to have anything funny happening at an airport." And mm. it just immediately shut everything down. And, and even stuff just... about like bad police, like Training Day or stuff. Like you still have like the perspective of like oh, this is somehow a break from the norm. Yeah, it's like the one bad apple theory where it's like, mm. nah. One bad apple, which started to riot in this movie. Anyway, That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Correct. Correct. Yes, and that's well, and and obviously that's why Police Academy the rot starts from the root, which would be Police Academy, um, where these fucking <laughs> yeah. people learn this shit. Um, which oh, the, uh, can we talk about the training that they go through? The Do you guys really monstrous? For instance, I have actually seen. There's this sequence in this. Well, one Tackleberry, like I love him as a character. He's super interesting because the problem with Tackleberry is. <laughs> Actually, there's not really a problem. He's kind of presented as a very lovable guy, but he's clearly a man who wants to kill people. Like, he joined the police academy to shoot people, and that is not, in the movie's perspective, a problem. Like, that's fine. Uh, the way... Th there's that one uh, training thing that I've actually seen in other movies. It's in Men in Black, specifically, uh, where you go through like a fake town and mm -hmm. things pop up that are either innocent pedestrians or criminals with guns. And the exercise is you shoot the right ones like as fatally as possible. Was that a real exercise that ever happened? Because it, it, it's insane. I mean, it I, seems... I've seen it in video games. Yeah, right. I've seen it in Carnival. You know, like the that that's as close. But you only see this kind of training in cartoons or movies you know like i i wonder if that like there, there's no way that some of that training is fucking real i mean oh i mean no again it way. was uh it was the military basis i probably right. it looks like you got a thing no that's totally that's real as shit um they've i mean they've switched in like the last 15 years to like computer simulations right laser stuff tag. like that used to be like i don't know how widespread it was but it definitely happened a few times okay yeah. and, and there's definitely still like police training especially police training that's only like semi sanctioned by the police departments mm -hmm. like there's like uh the sheep and the wolves training kind of shit yeah, that's the killology guy yeah those yeah. aren't technically sanctioned by the police department but the police department will send you over to the guy who's like 
you're a wolf who has to protect the sheep and kill for auxiliary the training. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it just... sounds like the thing in the military where they low key hand all the dudes uh, starship troopers, and they're like, "See, this is this is what it is." Like for real, that was like a common thread I heard. Like people would go what? to basic training, and then they would, uh, you know, people would go like, "Yeah, there's a lot of really good books on this," and then they'd get handed starship troopers. The oh, the book. The I was book. The book oh, is not worse the than the movie. The book oh, no, is I know. ultra right wing. The book so, is yeah. legitimately about fascism, and the movie is a satire of fascism. Yeah, I mean, yeah. the book is very pro-fascism. Uh, off topic, but yeah, I mean that 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 writer turned into a terrible man later in life who was pro uh, nuclear proliferation. So yeah, mm. it's not the sort of thing where you want the military getting a a sense that that makes them a better person just because they've or that they should have voting rights, whereas all the citizenry shouldn't have voting rights. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Let's go ahead and keep uh, peeling yeah. this particular turd well, uh, duck. Okay. Yeah, right. <laughs> the establishment at the police academy doesn't like these new cadets at all. They want to do everything in their power to remove them from their system because, obviously, they want to maintain the impossibly high standards they have already set for themselves. I um mean- Lassard seems okay with them. There's another old white man who's in one scene. Yeah, he he's like them. the commissioner or something. Yeah. He's in but one he scene. Never shows and up again. He makes this weird reference to the Dicks and the Johnsons. And I remember yeah. watching that as a kid and my parents didn't fast forward through that bit. And I had such as many questions. I'm like, what the fuck is he talking about? Is that, do they do that? Would you join the play? They pull out your pants and look at your dick? That's fucking weird. Yeah, I mean, it was just to say that he was, like, very uh, anti-lady being in the military. Like, yeah. you know, anti-women's lib, anti-anybody who's yeah. not white. Yeah. Right. And that's why I, I, you couldn't help but notice it was a female mayor who set this new standard. In, I mean, like, they're clearly talking about Diane Feinstein. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's it, clearly she was, who they're talking about. Yeah, she was responsible at the time period. Though, like, they call her Mary Sue Beale in the open uh, crawl. But the deal is, as I looked up to see, like, is there a political, like, precedent that these people were talking about uh i couldn't find anything listed like she was a a troublesome mayor for a lot of people but i don't she didn't have any thing where she was like you got to take anybody and let them be in the police academy um paul maslansky was saying this was based off a thing where he actually had seen an occurrence like he was in san francisco for the right stuff uh, the right stuff and he saw like a like a cadre of strange people who were all in police uniforms who were ill-suited to the task. And then he went aside and chatted with the policeman who was like having to dress these people. And he gave them a wink and a nod and said, we're going to burn them out in the first week and then they'll all be washouts. But I can't find any proof that that actually happened. I think what really happened here is that uh, Maslansky probably said, let's make like a stripes for the police and let's just uh, rip off uh, all of the uh, Keystone cops. We'll just go with Keystone cops and sound and just run with that. Yeah, and, and also this Michael Winslow guy. Mm-hmm. You know, throw him in as much as you can. That guy is hilarious. Uh, anyway, this fucking movie. Uh, it, it really is because the movie demonstrates that. You could see it on the screen that this movie is a concept without really a movie. I mean, this is a concept that wasn't really flushed out and they'd even abandoned it by the end because then they're trying to kick Mahoney out, which is what Mahoney wanted to happen in the first place. You know, like she it, just has a change of heart because Kim Cattrall shows her thighs to him. <laughs> yeah, that that was his denial of the call moment or the uh, the reversal because suddenly she's yes. willing to accept his uh, uh, obsessive like creeping. She gives him a little bit of uh, just a little taste of like you're acceptable to me sexually, and he suddenly is like, no, I want to stay here. I want to stay here. I don't have anything else to do with my life. Yeah, the no. most telling scene of hypocrisy in this movie. <laughs> 
Because I can't wait to hear this. Uh, so there is a scene uh, that is a shot uh, of the women's dormitory. I don't know why they have a full women's dormitory when women were only just allowed, even though Callahan is already clearly a somewhat high-ranking officer. So whatever, that doesn't make any fucking sense, but it's fine. They track down the women's dormitory and show a lot of gratuitous nudity, ultimately landing on the showers. The showers have been installed on the ground floor with ground floor level windows that are extremely large and open so that all the nude women are obviously being displayed to anybody who happens to pass by in the courtyard. And Mahoney, dog that he is, Mm -hmm. is sitting there with a beer, just looking in the woman's shower, and then buzzkill villain Sergeant Harris comes by and is like, get out of here. And Mahoney leaves. The women turn to see Harris sitting there doing what Mahoney was just doing and are like, what a creep. What a little gross creep. The protagonist was just doing this. Yeah, yeah. It uh, this movie is nonsense. Uh, I would say that the the logic, the logic in this one almost extends as strangely as the color out of space when we watched that. Like, I think the color out of space had more like connective tissue between action, reaction, and causation than this movie did. This is uh, fair. Yeah, this is fair. It's just I, like I, they. It seems like they did that bit, and it just like I agree with you. Completely went against reason and sanity. There was no way that would happen except for the fact they wanted to have that scene in the movie. It didn't make sense. Yeah, well, Porky's did so well. See, Porky's did so well. You got to throw a little TNA in there. That's how you get the butts in the seats. I mean, this is the era of the blockbuster. This is when all they gave a shit about is butts in the seats on opening couple weeks and how much you could fucking merchandise it. And for, for what it's worth, as much as I fucking hated it, it worked. You know, it worked. That scene and there was also a scene at the party where women just came by and took their tops off and then walked on in like kind of a row. Like that was, you know, that was just what they did. This was also contrasted with the most homophobic scene in the movie where, Oh, the blue clam. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. The blue oyster, blue oyster, oyster, which I find offensive because they don't like to, you know, anyway, but I I think that that's probably, uh, do you think that was a classic reference to the cut scene from Spartacus where, uh, (laughs) So the or Lawrence Olivier says that he uh, prefers both clams and oysters, and that's supposed to be a coded reference to the bisexuality of the character. Hmm. I uh, did not think of that, Borif. I've got yeah. to hand it to you. Yeah. <laughs> that did not. No, no Borif, that did not cross my mind. <laughs> yeah, that was one Quick, thing. Give I me did. the Bible for this movie. We can fucking get <laughs> oh, through that. I believe oh, that. I believe that scene is um, famously the gay character in Clueless, I think, watches that scene. That's right. She is Silverstone. At a yeah, point. we recently rewatched that. My oh, I didn't even know that movie. reference. I just I just yeah. remembered the old one. But the yeah. it's also oh, yeah. like, it's weird with this one because it seems like the only thing they're okay being like hateful towards is gay people. Mm-hmm. Like everything else is like, you can't, you can't be against women, can't be against black people, <clears throat> but we all don't like gay people because it's like the, the comeuppance of every character is in some way, shape or form like they get pushed it's... into the blue oyster or there's the running gag where uh yeah I'll just spoil this for anyone who doesn't know it at one point the uh commandant of this uh facility uh ends up with a blowjob from a young lady who is hired she is a prostitute 
by, yeah. I believe, Steve Gutenberg or one of the people. She just shows up. No, I can't, no it was I hired by it was hired by one of Harris's cronies to try to make Steve Gutenberg act on becoming so yeah. they could throw him out or whatever. So yeah. the the, the whole so Steve sh- Gutenberg yeah. sees her clever devil that he is turns the, the tables on him. He sees her in the dormitory, and his response is to grab her by the mouth and drag her out of the dormitory, unaware of what is going on. It's also yeah. wild that they felt like they would need to go that far to find grounds to remove him for being a creep. Yeah. I mean, the the, the thing... To just cap that whole thing, he yanks her out of the building, and he's running around trying to hide her. And then he somehow ends up in a dorm or in like a big open room where they're going to be doing a convocation, and the commandant is coming in, and he has to hide. So they jump into the uh, uh, what do you call it? Is it a podium? A, I guess a podium, it's, a lectern. Yeah, I can't. Yeah. I've always had the problem between lectern and podium. Anyway, they jump into that, and then the lady comes up, uh, or excuse me, the commandant comes up. The lady just jumps into giving a blowjob, essentially right next to Steve Gutenberg, and he doesn't, he isn't uncomfortable He's watching the at whole all. time. He doesn't tell her to stop. He doesn't hold her back so this doesn't occur, doesn't get him in trouble. He's just like, whatever happens, it happens, man. So then, you know, the commandant gets a BJ. He steps away. Somehow, magically, no one notices what has occurred. Steps away, turns around. Mahoney pops his head out. The commandant assumes that he's just gotten a blowjob from a man and is uh, uh, I would say that the commandant is at most aloof if not completely senile uh, and later in the movie his main response to this is uh, when he sees Kim Cattrall and uh, Steve Gutenberg making out he's like alright good you're with ladies now that's what you're into and somehow that's a much more acceptable circumstance for him it's I just it's worth I had a I had an aside. I didn't like how anti-gay the movie was. That was my It's point. worth it's worth noting that um he was pretty okay with getting a blowjob from a stranger at a podium until he saw it was a man. <laughs> yeah. Which yeah. Had, I, had no I, qu- I, I like that he walked away first. He's like, well, that's the end of that. And just like got up and walked away. <laughs> and then he's like, further. wait a minute, something just went what the hell? You know? <laughs> it's I don't like, and this is me just like asking questions. The movie does not promise me it will ever answer. Right, I'm just asking questions. <laughs> <laughs> like, I know this is like more digging than the movie wants me to do, but why would she do that in that situation? What compels her to make that choice? She's a sex worker, it's her nature. Yeah, <sighs> if the money's right, Brian. I think what's... Yeah, go for it, Bob. Okay. Uh, so I think there's three levels. So there's there's the homophobia, there's the sexism, and then there's the racism. The homophobia is pronounced and strong. Gay people are gross and weird and, like will grab straight people and force them to become their partners and dangerous in that way. Then there's the sexism, which is like women aren't inherently bad, but they are just objects at the end of the day to be desired, to look at their tits or whatever. That is their purpose. And then there's the racism, which has at least nominally like racism is bad, but Mm -hmm. most people of color fall into a few stereotypes 
kind of yeah. stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that was uh, something I noticed because whenever Hightower is like solving a problem, uh Outside of the the big ending sequence where everybody's like, it's sort of like an idiot's version of X-Men where everyone's special power <laughs> pops out at the end. Uh, and, you know, the one, the, one lady, the one lady yells, uh, the clumsy guy does a thing, I think, and then like the quiet guy like assaults a bunch of people and you suddenly realize that he's really good at violence. And uh, the thing with Hightower is that he talks somebody out of something. He uses his, his brain, his mental capacity, to mm-hmm. circumvent uh, a cop about to be shot and killed. But every other solution they showed him coming up with in the movie was... Ripping apart being, a car. <laughs> ripping apart a car, being subverbal. Uh, the only romantic interest he had in the movie was the other black person in the movie. It was very strange. Mm-hmm. It was a lot of stuff where they probably thought they were being very progressive, but not that progressive. I completely agree. Like, Sorry, it, it, none, none of these are funny jokes. This is just the thing I noticed. No. I mean, it's, <laughs> well, no, the it's X-Men base that, that's <laughs> yeah. fucking yeah. funny. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> it's fully worth noting that that conflict at the end is so tacked on that it's unbelievable. Like, uh, there's just a... That in and of itself is a bit of a racist thing where it's mm. this low-income minority neighborhood... For some reason, it's at the boiling point uh, for reasons that we don't understand. Possibly there's been decades of police oppression that we didn't get into. I don't think so. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't think so. Uh, yeah, but there's it, a big riot for some yeah, reason. It feels like it's coded as being Los Angeles, but this was shot in Toronto and they never say what city it's in. Yeah, it very I, I'm going to guess San Francisco, too, because, again, they, they, I, they, they seem to that's again who they're basing off the right stuff so and again the prodding at the gay culture i think is another kind of wink at that as well um but it it, it, this movie i mean like i said i'm sorry guys i had to watch it too um so i trapped myself in it because it's not good even by 80s crappy comedy standards you know like it, it 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 didn't age well and i'm surprised it created such the the cinematic universe it did well i know i mean like it, i'm 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 impressed of how successful it was i guess uh, well impressed isn't the right word uh in no, awe the word? Like yeah in the, in the like in sense. awe like color out of space i'm in awe of the horror that i'm seeing and anyway yeah um i, I, I mean it, it gave Michael Winslow a solid paycheck. He was in everything yeah. connected with this. That's true. Same thing with Tackleberry. He definitely got his money made from this movie. There's too. definitely... Comedy is something that I'm going to, like, <laughs> obviously, is is one of the, ta- the genres that ages the most poorly on the whole. Sure. But when I look at 80s comedies, a lot of them, I can be like, I'll watch the movie and I'll be like, it's not really for me, but I kind of get why people like it. This is how I feel about, say, Airplane or mm. um, even Ghostbusters. I'm like, Caddyshack, even so into Ghostbusters. And I'm mm. like, it's fine. I don't love it, but it's fine. I, people who are of the Gen X age love the fuck out of that movie. Um, uh, I, 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 I am a notable exception. I think it's just okay as well. I think it's okay. <laughs> but when I see that the same year Ghostbusters came out, one of the other comedy hits was Police Academy, I'm like, oh, I get why Ghostbusters was a revelation. <laughs> By comparison, holy shit, Ghostbusters is so much better. It was it's a, amazing. 
It's a banner year for blowjob gags in movies. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. Yeah, the ghost blowjob. I remember that now. Yeah. Oh, oh well, yeah. That and also like it does seem that all of these comedies, at least the the even the mediocre ones like stick to this formula you have this ragtag group of people who won't quite fit into the system on purpose uh forced to conform to some sort of system one way or another and ultimately triumphing over it um and this is where again with this movie Borf brought up block comedies i mean this is such a fucking obvious example of it where you have basically your script consists of one or two funny scenes and nominally funny in this case, um, and then string it together. I mean, I, I will say Barbara had the best joke by the end of it by beating yeah. up the wrong people. That was that that I was like, okay, that's that's pretty good. That, I'll Barbara take that. should have been the protagonist. I'll take yeah. it. I was fine with Hightower. I mean, I, I if they done Hightower Bar- a little better, one of those two. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, even Hooks, I think, would have you know had to yeah. learn assertiveness. You know. But still, there's a lot about this movie. That I mean, there's just the not garbage. a lot of story. There's a lot of starch in this potato, guys. There's not yeah. a lot to actually oh, get God. to. See, that's it's the like, problem. Uh, yeah. With Ghostbusters or Animal House, there is a lot more plot in the scene-to-scene moments. This doesn't have that. Mm-hmm. That's why it reminds me of Airplane sometimes, because mm-hmm. it seems like each scene is almost a sketch, but it never goes as absurdist as yeah. airplane does yeah and, and, and the jokes that work from airplane still are the most absurd jokes sure. obviously the people who made that movie ended up being real <laughs> pieces of shit yes indeed but the but the jokes that still work are the absurdist ones this never goes that absurdist but it also doesn't have the plot of some of the other movies that hold up true and, and airplane had the benefit of sort of being a parody of these sort of disaster movies that were popular at that time too so it it had a crutch that it could lean on this too had a crutch but it didn't even lean on it it was just like okay we got that scene funny and then uh i don't know kim cattrall comes in and you know has to be rescued cut let's go home you know like you know call the guy i mean i i i I will say about the i again i struggle to even take notes for this fucking movie (laughs) um but i i will say the soundtrack this is another indicative of the era uh of the theme song you know like Mm -hmm. this had its own sort of theme song the sort of wannabe elmer bernstein sort of shit um yeah yeah. an attempt at a light motif i believe is what it is yeah uh, exactly the, the concept that each character would have its own special little tune uh but in this case it was just mostly just the police academy at large um, yeah. And then it becomes diegetic at the end, which was <laughs> I yeah. almost wept. <laughs> I but even really... like, <laughs> e- even like the sound cues of like random like fucking you know '80s songs that you like forgot existed, and then you're like, oh right, I guess that was a song. It's just like you know. Anyway, um, it's another thing. It's indicative of its era. Um, I do like the idea that like a comedy can have like an original score instead of like a series of just like needle drops that are mostly very on the nose. Like it's a good that point. was something from this era that I sort of wish would come back. That's a good point. <laughs> Everything else can stay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's funny. Cast. I was wondering if like, uh, like horror films from the era, they had good soundtracks uh comedies outside of like ghostbusters but even ghostbusters uh, it's like mostly it was 
It was the, uh, oh, yeah, the, Caddyshack. the Ghostbusters Come on. theme. That song rules. By the way, relevant, rest in peace, uh, Ennio Morricone. Yes, Great indeed. composer of soundtracks of this era. Oh, including yes. Police Academy. <laughs> yeah. Weirdly, yeah, he, he fucked was. up if he worked on this movie. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I didn't ask about swearing. <laughs> the king. Hey, if you're talking about theme songs, man, that guy was the king. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but like this particular soundtrack, it, it, it kind of reminded me of, again, Animal House meets like Superman. Um, like, and it's very you know militaristic and and then again it does still to brian's point rely on like the random needle drops from some soundtrack that they were going to pop out you know from mm-hmm. Capitol records or whatever um and i agree with you i sort of wish it's it's almost like the commercial jingle you know i almost wish we'd kind of bring that back or or explaining the preface of a television show in the theme song to to kind of go uh, i mean i want to ask you guys this question why was this movie popular <laughs> Oh, oh no, 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 no. This movie, uh, part of the reason I gave you a point at the beginning of this episode, Russell, is because watching movies like this should be part of why we do this podcast. Indeed. I don't like them. <laughs> but they but, are educational. Right. This is, this is Reagan's America, my friend. <laughs> yeah. Like, who boy, through and through. This uh, this is Patrick Bateman was in the theater being like, this is good old fashioned comedy. Right. <laughs> Give me seven more of these. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, no, that's correct. This is when he this was the year that he got elected into his second term. People yeah, thought the lost first term only, was so great. I think he only lost by one state, too. So yeah, there you have Mon- it. Mondale. Yeah, yeah. I think he only uh, won his home state. Um, but they, but okay. There you have. So you're just gonna blame it on Reagan, Zach? That's no. You, I oh, mean, okay. Reagan is not the entirety of why the country thought like that at that time. But uh, he didn't have. He didn't hurt. He certainly was the symbol, <laughs> like the figurehead for it. Sure. Yeah. It's just I, this is like. America, the idea, the ethos that has been popular and remains popular among a certain sect of America's greatness, Police Academy is that greatness to certain people. <laughs> yeah. Oh, like, wow. This is when just... this is when America could just be America. You know, and there's got to some... be there's got to be somebody some people, who this is their favorite movie. They're like, yeah, oh man, I met my girlfriend like, or wife on this movie. It was great. There are people who are like. Why can't you make a police academy anymore? <laughs> you know, we I would love got... a police academy in this day and age, but just taken as like a serious like a cab movie where they're just yeah. like murdering people and it's just like a gang. But you can oh. still keep it funny and cast like Will Ferrell and Zach Galifianakis. You know? Well, sure, but I would just do it Josh as a completely... Gad. Yeah, 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 right, Josh Gad. Yeah. But I would just do it as like a completely straight like black comedy where it's which is a term that they might need to revisit, but uh, a grim comedy. I mean, um, there's a reason to me that the only really successful comedy in the past 15 years about police, the only one that stands the test of time is about British police officers. It's Hot Fuzz, mm-hmm. and I think it's the only one because like and, and, and part of the whole they're, joke they're, is that they're, they're, they're too American, you know, right, is that exactly. Simon Pegg's way too yeah. obsessed with like American cop movies exactly. and shit. Yeah. It's, I, it's, haven't, I haven't re-seen that one recently. We might have to do that one on the podcast because I have a feeling that that one might have some troubling stuff if we go back and revisit it because I have a vague memory of a few things. I, I don't want to like, say too much about it. Um, yeah, yeah. They definitely don't 
It's interesting how in the extremely action-packed conclusion, they very intentionally never kill anyone, which is kind of an interesting little uh, mm-hmm. little, little, little huh. twist on that movie. Yeah, this movie doesn't involve... Uh, it, that was another thing, now that you mentioned that. In Police Academy, all the comedy with black people, it's never... like They never touch on the fear that they're going to be murdered by cops. It's always nope. just like, oh, it's just a misunderstanding. I think like the most grievous injury someone has is someone drives over someone's foot, and it doesn't really have any comeuppance other than like... Uh, Borov, have you already forgotten in? about the apple? I mean, have you already... Are we that far removed that we have forgotten the apple? The apple ha- injustice. What, which apple? Which apple was when this? When the guy threw the apple at that group of people, and that's what starts the riot. Oh, well, I mean, the thing is, is that he throws the apple, but then what actually causes the riot to go wild is that the guy's like, oh, no, there's a riot. I got to go watch that. Stay here and watch everything. And all the poor people nearby are like, free TVs? I love free TVs. And they just start stealing the guy's TVs. And the, the yeah, you know, because poor people obviously would be so much more interested in TVs than they would be interested in food or uh, a sustainable right. job Side or note. income. Right. Funniest... Let's do this wheel quick, quick uh, round table. Funniest jokes in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, Shannon thought at the very least she didn't she watch watched the whole it, movie. The poor lady. She didn't watch the whole movie. Oh, okay. She thought the one in the oven shirt at the very least was not offensive. <laughs> so <laughs> that so one, that gave... one was delightfully absurdist. That one exactly. I understood. I got it. It's like if I wear the shirt that says "Weed Mom," it's yeah. funny. No, so she yeah. liked that. Brian, you were a fan of the other shirt comedy in the movie. Yeah, um, I picked out two moments that approach jokes that <laughs> <laughs> I appreciated and one even got like a semi-physical reaction from me um the the one that came out on top for yeah (laughs) a positive physical reaction for me other than like creeping dread (laughs) rising through my stomach um was at the during the ending like the climactic hostage situation on a rooftop uh when hightower punches the bad guy and he falls down a flight of stairs as he's falling back, his coat opens, and it reveals he's wearing a Vassar t-shirt. And I saw that, and I was just like, like, I felt my mouth, like, move in the shape of a smile. Um, and then the other one uh, was when the, um, when the alarm is going off that there's a riot going on downtown, one of the characters runs up to Michael Winslow, and it was like, is this you? Um, because of the sound effects thing. And I'm like, I appreciated that on a intellectual level more than anything else. The, the concept that it was a yes and rather than a no, please stop was yeah. entertaining in itself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, what, so just so I can understand, what is Vassar? Like, is it? It's a college. It's, a it's one of the seven sisters uh, colleges. Oh, okay. Yeah, I didn't know. Like, I was trying to figure out the entire time that character was on screen. I was trying to figure out what he was supposed to be what he was just supposed to be because he had like a tooth hanging around his neck he looked vaguely hispanic i didn't know if they were trying to say he was potentially he's, native american he's it was he's, ba- he's antifa he's yeah antifa. thank you yeah. thank you zach yeah uh he's antifa that's why he man. went to vassar i don't know what um, do you think was funny carlson the i i think i already said it but i i will say the moment where barbara is beating up his former bullies 
for because what he thinks they're stealing a TV and then it turns out they're just moving shit out of their apartment. That part, I was like, okay, that's that's okay. That's a pretty, I mean, it was a long walk for a little bit, but at least, you know, it got there, which I can't say much oh. for most of the jokes. I'll, I'll, on I'll give one more. Um, there's a scene where the uh, short-haired fascist characters, the cronies, are trying to intimidate Barbara into telling them where the party's going to be. And he's trying to study and they grab his books and attempt to throw them out the window. But there's a screen in the window. So they just hit the screen and fall on the ground. And it was fine. That joke was fine. That's very straightforward <laughs> physical comedy. It didn't yeah. offend me. I would say that, like, I'll, I'll be honest. I, I uh, was hoping I would laugh at something. I didn't laugh once no. for anything in the movie. I laughed for something outside the context of the movie. Because while it was happening, I was kind of... Honestly, I was half watching, half on my phone looking up trivia facts about See, the movie. See, that's what I was saying. It is like Sanford Prison Experiment. It pretended to be a movie. You pretended to be an audience. You're like, okay, yeah. fuck, what's going on? Well, the thing is, is it's like I went through the character lists, and I was curious as to who played the hooker, just because I deeply wanted to know who had gone on to a career. And I'll, I'll post that one to you guys after this as what who you think successfully had a career. But I looked up the hooker's name... And she was billed as Georgina Spelvin, which is, I was unaware of this, but it is essentially the Alan Smithy of actresses' names. It's the name that ladies choose mm. when they don't really want to be credited. Huh. However, I laughed for a second. I thought, that's funny because someone hated being in the movie. But then I looked it up and she was actually a porn star at the time. So it was actually her nom de plume. It was uh, Michelle Graham. She was known for... Devil and Miss Jones. Oh. Um, oh. So that means that she got reviewed favorably by Roger Ebert twice? Like, I think he gave this this movie, like, a tepid okay? No, he gave this movie a zero out of four. Okay, yeah. well then... I think, then he, I think he her, blamed the cancer on this movie, actually. Yeah, her, I think her, he, solo, her solo au revoir of The Devil and Miss Jones, amongst other things, was something that... Uh, he gave a favorable review to. There's like a post in 1973 of Roger Ebert saying, outside of Deep Throat, uh, Devil and Miss Jones is a good movie. So it was like, uh, it was odd. Ebert, Ebert said that this is the kind of movie that one member of your friend group should watch. So when you watch a bad movie, they can say, at least we're not watching Police Academy. Which feels kind of like what we're doing here. I yeah. think we're going to we're at a race for the bottom of the barrel, guys. I think yeah. we're going to see what the worst is that we can find. I got to say, uh, I like my chances. Uh, that's why there's endless Simpsons jokes. I've had to really contain myself to make all the Simpsons references about how bad this movie is. Regardless, um, Kim, Kim Cattrall had the best career of anybody mm. in this movie. You could argue so. Gutenberg. Yeah. Because, I mean, he still made a couple movies after this. And you could no argue, sex I mean, in the city, though. Yeah. You know? Yeah, that's true. Very true kind of wins yeah, that argument. She was only in this one, if I recall. I think she was only out of the eight million of them that they fucking made. That well, right mean, there is a victory. That's true. That's yeah. very true. Okay, I'll I accept mean, that. The, I mean, Davis, George Gaines had a career before this. Yeah, he was Saint in like Elsewhere. Punky Brewster and St. Elsewhere and Don Lake, who was like the Mr. Wig guy at the very beginning is like a character actor. But yeah, Kim Cattrall. Yeah, it makes sense. She, yeah, had, yeah. she had a solid career, but this was the only police Shannon, academy she did. Shannon recognized the guy who had the nice car at the beginning from other things. So... Yep. Did Michael yeah, Winslow that, that really Don, do like, anything outside of this franchise? Spaceballs? I, yeah, that was around the same 
time, though, I think. I think, And then he did a subsequent Police Academy movies, but I think he was always, like, opening... I think he, like, did stand-up. I, like, he would try to take his show on the road. Um, I, I, nothing of note. I mean, obviously, this is what he was known for, and I think him and Tackleberry and Hooks and maybe Hightower. I don't actually I doubt Hightower. Uh, yeah, I think he's just all of the movies. I believe he's just a voice actor now. Like he okay. he played in TV throughout the era. I'm looking at it casually in the background. Um he was on Love Boat for a little while. Well, Something everybody Space was on Love Boat. Stars. Yeah, yeah. Um no, I mean it seems like he was a perfectly nice actor who just happened to hit it off with this one and just kept following the ticket and they kept hiring him. He, he did everything, even the one they sent to Moscow, which almost yeah. caused, a, caused an international incident. Well, at least it's famous for something. I would uh, love to see like a Hearts of Darkness documentary about Mission to Moscow much more than I would like to watch the actual Police <laughs> Academy movie. The, the thing is, is that there is a documentary. I, I found it online and it's they only have posted 10 minutes of the documentary and it is about the entire series. Excuse me. It's about the entire series of Police Academy and it gets into all of it. And you can tell that for a lot of the people involved, this was their one meal ticket. Like... Paul Slansky, the producer on this, this was it. He he did this, and that was it. He kept making money off this, and it was like an Alan Ladd Jr. production. So yeah. it was the Ladd Company. They had come off hot hits like Alien, and this is what their follow-up was. Police Academy. <laughs> and, and again, we laugh, but this movie made a fuck ton of money. I did also, when I was just like watching the movie and trying to distract myself find that there is a whole wikipedia article dedicated to list of police academy characters <laughs> in each one of its uh you know iterations it's including the cartoon yeah right <laughs> here's 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 now you guys can tell me if you're in the same place uh i'm at the point where if we have any final wriggling thoughts about Police Academy, we should get them out now and then do our final wrap-ups because I don't have much else to say about fucking Police Academy. Yeah, like no, I we've said, got I struggled to even... Hour and 20 minutes, yeah. I think we're yeah, good. Yeah, let's get to the rating. Before we do our rating, we should have our... Go roundtable, do our final thoughts on specifically this movie because that's the format, right? That's indeed. Yeah, uh, it was a feature-length sitcom. Fuck this movie. That's my yeah. take on Borough. Uh, uh, my take is this movie, again, I'll say it for a third time in a row, this movie is the perfect example of a Hollywood concept without really a narrative, but still massively successful because I have people have excellent taste. I think that's the only explanation I can come up with. And I apologize, but not really. There, there is a thing. I'll let Brian go last because he's our guest. Uh, there is a thing uh, when... I, I was raised on... I watched all the James Bond movies as a kid, old James Bond movies. And when you watch old James Bond movies, they're all so of their time. And you watch them and you're like, this was made when it was made. It chased trends and it just tried to be the best version of whatever was popular at the time it was. And Police Academy is that, but worse than any James Bond movie, which is saying a lot. <laughs> but it is, there is no James Bond movie as egregious as Police uh, Academy in terms of, of, of awfulness. Oh, come on, Zach. I know Moonraker's your favorite. 
Moonraker uh, is at least <laughs> so, so silly. And it's not silly in a way where it's like, aren't the gays sexual predators? That's true. That is true. It, it's uh, silly in a way where a pigeon does a double take. Here, Here's uh, real quick before I, would you say this movie is worse than Revenge of the Nerds as far as like misogyny and, and that kind of stuff? I haven't seen it. Oh, Revenge okay. of the Nerds oh, is so long. Oh, oh, Pro- no. Revenge of the Nerds is worse. It has a full okay. on. It has a full Day on rape. rape. Right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. But, but, I was just to let Brian say his piece. Yeah. Thank you. I don't know, man. It's fucking hilarious. Uh, no. <laughs> uh, this was bad. Uh, everything about it was bad. Uh, combined with the time I saw it when I was ten, I've now spent three hours of my life watching Police Academy. Uh, so that's probably less time i'll be able to spend with my grandchildren at some point so yeah that's not how time works but okay. <laughs> um <laughs> yeah no you're uh, welcome brian it, you're welcome movie. you're welcome <laughs> ironically your grandchildren are gonna love police academy <laughs> oh god god Send yeah there'll back. be a total there'll be like a late late stage revival on this and people will be like no no we need to reassess this whole movie <laughs> Brian I, I, I want to say uh, Brian is my co-host on our other podcast The Revisionist which is a comedy history podcast where we talk about people or events from history we tell the real story and a crazy bananas alternate story that could be like for instance the, the example I always use is Washington was two kids in a coat in our version of history so it's mm-hmm. a real and a comedy story, and we judge which is the facts going forward. It's a fun podcast. Brian and I have been doing it for years. I invited him on this podcast to watch the worst movie we've watched so far. Um, down the line, we have discussed this. Maybe, Brian, you can be on for a full theme. You can pick a fourth movie, and we can uh, we can do a whole thing with you yep. uh, just to make up for making you watch Police Academy. There you have it. At, yeah. at the very least, that would be, I think, a pleasant uh, a pleasant change from whatever it was that we just watched. Yeah, and hmm. you can get revenge. Like yeah, you that's can true. take a piece of shit. That's so true. the theme for that so. one is citizens on patrol. Do what you will with that. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> <sighs> All right, let me get a pen so we can do this. Okay. All right. So let, uh, while while Zach is getting ready. I'll run through the concept here since we are in the final round of this uh, theme. The theme was Shitty Cups. We had three movies. Zach Powers chose the movie Blind Spotting. Chris Borov chose The Stanford Prison Experiment. And I, very savvily, chose Police Academy. And the way this voting works is each one of us hosts are designated 10 points that we could allocate to each of the three movies and then we calculate the total and the bonus points if we show choose to uh, and then we determine the winner the person who wins will pick the theme after the horror theme got it okay sure. so okay since uh, we've got a special event and one of our podcast release dates will be on Halloween the next theme is going to be a horror driven theme which we will explain later uh, that we don't know about yet, but in any case, uh, let us find a winner for Shitty Cops. So Now, I think the way it breaks down right now is that each of us has 12 points, unless ten. any... Oh, oh are you including the bonus points? I'm including the bonus okay. points. Each of us, I think, still has one bonus point to give out still, if anybody wants to do so before final ratings. Otherwise, we'll go forward with 12 apiece. And uh, I believe that uh, Brian should have a say in this. Well, Brian has <laughs> I seen... I didn't watch the other two movies. Brian should has we seen say? Blind Spotting. He has not seen Stanford Prison Experiment. 
Mm. Yeah, this, I think this Brian, is a quandary since blind spotting. Also, so if you if you have any thoughts about blind spotting, you want to share real quick. Uh, <laughs> I mean, everything is tainted by Police Academy. Um, <laughs> How does blind spotting compare to Police Academy in your memory? Well, one is a movie, and the other <laughs> is ninety minutes of bad farting. Um, so that's really that's uh, comparable. One has something to say, and the other is the death something rattle of everything good. <laughs> something else. <laughs> so let me get this straight. I uh, Because of the bonus points, I have 12 points that I can allocate to the movies. That's how we're judging Correct. this. Excellent. Okay, cool. My math works then. Uh, yeah, we all have 12 points unless anybody wants to give out a free point. Before I, think I, already, I think I already gave Carlson a point at the start of it. Okay. Ru- Russell, I think you have 13 points then. Because you 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 took the you took the theme and fucked us with it. Yeah. <laughs> Chris and I have twelve. Russell has thirteen. And this was Zach's theme too, so it wasn't even like part of his whole design. It kind of was. <laughs> I, I expected that maybe somebody would pick a movie like this. Uh, I actually hoped that someone would pick a a comedy. And Police Academy crossed my mind, though I had never seen it at the time that I created the theme. I'm a little surprised you hadn't seen it up until now. Like, you have, like, taste, obviously. But, like, I feel like it's a movie that a lot of people just saw because it was, for some reason, part of the cultural conversation when we were young. Well, the nice thing about the world is, you know why Gen Z is a better generation than millennials? Gen Z doesn't know about Police Academy. (laughs) (laughs) That's why they're better. If if there's any justice, they won't. Okay, so, gentlemen, please display your ratings for blind spotting. That's supposed to be a six. Okay. So, we've got 7.5 for Zach. All right, that's a six for me. It's a seven from Borif. And a 5.5 from Zach. He loves half numbers. Okay, and Police Academy, I can't wait to see these numbers. Okay, that's zero points. <laughs> and this I is a Mr. Yuck face, to be clear. <laughs> <laughs> I give it a point just to give myself something. <laughs> so, 11, 18.5. What are your numbers for the, uh, for the Stanford Prison Experiment? Mine was six. 13. 18.5. I think that, is that a tie? I'm going to give it to Borif because I picked the last theme. Well, I, 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 I thank you. I appreciate That's very generous, Zach. And I, don't, I also don't want my own vote to be the scientific point. <laughs> and you don't want to give it to Police Academy. <laughs> well, Police Academy was never going to get it. So. But so this, give, brings up, this brings up an important thing. Maybe we shouldn't allow the fractions, because if we hadn't allowed fractions, we would have had a solid number on one side or another. Okay, I'll go with seven for uh, blind spotting and a six for Stanford... <laughs> prison experiment and it's so a I clean talk- win okay well I guess that I talked myself out of winning then okay no well, no 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 no, 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 no. you won that's it you, you won yeah oh I thought you gave it you gave more to blind spotting well I was the only one 
who gave more to blind spotting. Yeah, but that's that you were the deciding factor. You're the only one. Okay. I know, but cumulatively, you have 19 to blind spotting's 18. I'm just gonna take it. Thank you. It's very nice. Yeah. <laughs> we are taking. We are going into Halloween. So here's what we're hap- what we're doing, listeners. Uh, instead of just jumping into the next theme, which Boruf will choose after after what happens next. Our next three episodes are going to be the three episodes that precede Halloween, the final one coming out on October 30th. So, I have prepared a list of 20 potential horror movie ca- uh, uh, categories that we can choose between. Uh, I also have a four-sided dice that I figure will choose who picks the first uh, movie and who picks the second and who picks the third. One being sure. Chris Boroff, two being Russell Carlson, and three being Zach Powers in alphabetical order. Four will be a re-roll. Cool. All right, I'm gonna roll this dice. 18. That is an 18. 18 is horror classics, any movie between 1960 and 1979 that is a horror film or nominally so. Yeah. I know the pick. I know what I'm picking. Oof. Now let's see who picks first. All right. All right. One is going to be uh, Chris. Two is going to be Russell. Three is going to be me. Four is going to be Reward. Two will be God Russell. Damn it. I was really fucking hoping it wasn't going to be me. Oh, I don't man. want you to. I don't want you to have to pick it right now. If you okay, good. I really will have to think about it. Yeah. Let me think about it. So 1969 to 1979. All right. So essentially, I've. I've had a couple of days to think about it. It's a tough category because of that era has so many options, both good and bad. Uh, and I think my option's probably going to strike somewhere in the middle. Uh, I'm going to go with 1979's Phantasm. Um, I haven't seen this movie since I was in high school, and that's sort of why I'm choosing it uh, out of all the other options, just because I remember kind of having fun with it and you know I've, I've seen uh, the subsequent sequels at least four of them um, and I'm curious to watch it again you know as older now and I'm kind of curious about uh, Borif's impressions although I'm pretty sure he's seen it before and probably some of the sequels uh, and I'm, I'm fairly certain Zach's seen it as well uh, anyway, so we're going to do 1979's Phantasm, So Says Me so be sure to tune in next time on The Movie Trap Yeah, so uh, I am also, looking forward to it. Halloween is one of my favorites, so I think we're going to have a good time watching movies. Yeah, uh, sorry for the deeply awkward way in which we did that because this was all off the cuff, baby. But I wanted to, I th- we all decided it'd be fun to do something unique for Halloween. The reward will be a bonus movie that does not have to be related to any topic, if a person so chooses, that they can inflict on the other people whenever they want. As we've seen from uh, from the previous categories, I think Borif would love that uh, because out of uh, the three of us, he's the one who's really pushed the boundary of uh, <coughs> the theme, shall I'm, we say. I'm hungry for it. I'm ready to make <laughs> someone have to take a bite out of the turducken with me. So we're going to see how this goes. I'm really excited. I have I have one planned in mind already if, we can, uh, if I can win, but we'll find out. All right. 
Um, well, with that being said, I guess this was the movie trap. I want to thank our uh, guest, Brian. It was an enjoyable experience for us, not necessarily watching the movie, but having you on the show. Yeah, thank and you so much for having me. i to have you back uh, for a, a full theme if you're ever up for it, if you're up right. for a four-episode yeah. recurrence. Absolutely, and <laughs> revenge, maybe. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Even though that also makes me suffer. So if maybe it makes not, you I feel any better, Boref, Police Academy was a release of me of many, many years of Chris Boref making me watch some movies that uh, <laughs> anyway well um, I, I understand it's a it's a pyrrhic victory which has been an ongoing theme so yes has. i understand <laughs> so on that note i am russell carlson thank you for watching or listening or both yep i am zach powers thanks for stopping by i've been chris boroff don't let the door hit you where the lord split you uh, also listen and to the revisionists. Yeah, yeah there, there you go. go. <laughs> I, was, I, was, I figured Brian would say goodbye as well, maybe. I don't know if you saw the panic in my eyes. I was like, oh, fuck, I have to have a thing. <laughs> <laughs>